Saratoga may be in the books, but we're thrilled to be partnered with Naira for the rest of 2023. Going to keep things going like they've been going, covering Saturday racing each week on the Players Podcast. We're going to have write-ups and analysis at InTheMoneyPodcast.com for free. More stuff behind the paywall, like Nick's notebooks. You can get that, InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash plus. You can find us on the Naira site under their Picks, Plays, and Promotions tab. And if you're looking to find out where you can find the America's Day at the Races coverage, we got you covered for that as well. For the full schedule, go to InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash TV. Welcome to the In the Money Players podcast. This is our late week show that is going to drop. I have to check the date on Friday, September 22nd. We're largely going to be covering the races of September 23rd on here on the thoroughbred side, but we're going to start with a very special segment. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatal, back with you from the little house on the east side, once again in front of this lovely cabinet of brown liquor. And if you're watching on YouTube and you want to catch the rest of the show, that's very easy. In the Money Media, wherever you get your podcasts, drop us a note. Let us know what you think is going to happen in these races this weekend, starting with the ones we're going to be talking about first with a man whose work you might know from the Nahu website. You might know it from the fantastic work he does covering standard breads here on the In the Money Media Network, sometimes with Edison Hatter, um, sometimes by himself, sometimes with me. Um, He's a good dude. He's my pal. He's Mike Rabosi. How are things, my man? I'm great. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm coming from the apartment uh, in uh, near Johnstown, Pennsylvania. So I don't know if that's. Uh, you know, I, I don't travel nearly as much as you, though. <laughs> it's uh, it's 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 a blessing and a curse. Mostly a blessing. It's a great thing to be able to follow these horses around, no matter what we're looking at in terms of breed. And this is one of these nights with standard bred racing that I think is fair to say that if you're somebody who likes wagering on horses, and even if you're more of a, of a thoroughbred player in general, one that you're going to want to maybe take a little bit of uh, extra attention to in terms of wagering opportunities as we look at this quartet of races from Harris, Hoosier Park, which is actually on Friday night. So if you're listening to this show on podcast when it just dropped, we're talking about stuff that's going to be happening pretty soon. Uh, is it fair to say that this is one that the thoroughbred fans should also be paying attention to? Absolutely, because, well, this year especially, uh, Hoosier has the Breeders' Crown this year. So that's, you know, all the preps with thoroughbreds, everyone's very familiar with, with uh, Breeders' Cup and the horses going. And, well, there's horses prepping for, you know, Breeders' Crown races that are coming up in a month or so, right at Hoosier Park. So I would think that you would want to pay attention to a lot of these horses are going to show up a month from now. And if you want much more in-depth coverage than what we're providing here, you were involved in a little show last night. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we uh, did the Harness Players podcast last night. It was uh, a little Nahu re rerun. Uh, it was uh, Rod Adams Jr., Ray Catolo, and I. Uh, we went through all these. Uh, we had nine stakes races we covered last night for uh, the big night on Friday. We're very much in-depth with all the races, and uh, it's about an hour. It's a, it's a good show. Good listen. Make sure you check that out. Ray, I should have name-checked him before. Does a fantastic job on our airwaves as well. We're going to do the, the sort of quick hit on four races again, really – you know, talk to me like I'm a I'm a third grader kind of uh, analysis here, as, op as opposed to getting into the deeper jargon you'll hear later on this show for flat racing, or you'll hear on that uh, on the harness players pod. 
We're starting off with race number six, a one-mile trot here, the uh, Kentuckiana Stallion Management two-year-old Philly stake. We got some serious money in the pot here, more than a quarter of a million dollars. How are we going to prov- how are we going to approach it from a wagering point of view? Well, what's what's interesting about these, you know, you start these Grand Circuit races is there's a lot of uh, uh, sire stakes that that go on in, in many different states. So you have your PA sire stakes, your New York sire stakes, your New Jersey sire stakes. All those programs are finishing up, and a lot of these horses now are showing up in some of these bigger pot races, and and you see some of these horses that maybe might be late bloomers, uh, horses that uh, you know are coming in that were sharp in those sire stakes races. This is a very difficult race, one of the better betting races on the card. Uh, the uh, I think it's difficult to determine who the favorite might be in the race. And there's horses that, uh, like Graceful Design, who locks a win, but uh, has been facing tougher, has been on that grand circuit in the Doherty in the peaceful way. Horse like the eight Ponda title, I think, that was in the Doherty last time, just missed to a horse named Sori Hanover. That horse is a grand circuit type horse. Uh, but this horse has raced at Hoosier and uh, has been doing well in these uh, Indiana Sire Stakes. I think that horse, the eight upon the title, probably a big chance in this spot. How do you figure as the harness player, standard bred player, how these horses are going to class up when they're coming from one circuit to another? You know, in theory, a tool like the buyer speed figure is going to even that out for shippers in, in flat racing. What is the equivalent in this game? Uh, well, I mean, they all horses do get track master type ratings, but I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm more, I think that you need to, to follow specific circuits and, and, uh, you know, be familiar with different horses, especially the top end type horses. And that gives you a better indicator with harness class, I think is more important than anything, even more than time. Uh, you, you really kind of need to be familiar with different circuits and the, the horses that they are facing. I think that that gives you bigger clues on whenever they do come together, you know, how well they're going to perform. I love that. And it seems like it would reward the studious observer as opposed to somebody just looking at numbers. And I know what you're saying, you know, just intuitively, that idea that we talk about in turf racing sometimes where a horse will be, quote unquote, sucked along, a turf horse will be sucked mm-hmm. along and run a better figure, but still, you know, no threat in the race. I mean, that actually, that concept comes from harness racing, doesn't it? Absolutely. And you see horses that are in a race, say they go a 50 mile and finish fifth and they might've, you know, finished in 51. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that those horses can go 51 whenever facing pressure in a, in a harness race where they have to, you know, do all the work, go up front, uh, you know, sucked along is, is something that does happen quite a bit in harness racing and, and horses can get checks that way, but whenever they're, they're faced with having to go that time and do a lot of the work on their own, they're unable to do that. Excellent. Recap for me who you like here in the sixth, and then we'll move on. So I was uh, eight, five, and six. I mean, that's a little bit uh, of the morning line favorites there. It is a difficult race, though. I think that you can take shots there. There's there's other ways you can go. I, I know Ray uh, liked a horse named uh, Dozen. That's the two horse. This horse is coming out of the Excelsior races, which is sort of the second tier type sire stakes races in New York. But good connections, Marcus Melander, Scott Zeron. Those are the top uh, connections in the sport, especially in the trotting world. This horse is 12 to one morning line, I think. Interesting. Ray did mention that one last night. I like the idea. We're going to move on to a little bit later in the card. It's the eighth race we're headed to next. Eighth race. Yes. Another two-year-old. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. I, I might have misinformed you. <laughs> I was uh, worried about that one just when I saw yes. the first. But that's the okay. ninth, the ninth race is the correct race. The ninth race. Yes. Ninth race. Another Kentucky Anastasian management. 200,000. This is uh, two-year-old Phillies, actually. 
Excellent. And what do we think about uh, what do we think about this one? We got a big field of ten looking to go poster here. A big field, and you're gonna have a big favorite here, uh, the Six Lions Legend, and it's a horse that is six for seven life uh, lost first time last time against uh, a horse named Geocentric, and that's basically one of the top horses in the sport right now. Be uh, prior to that had won six straight. The source has been expertly managed in that PSR stakes program, but this I think is a tougher spot. You have a lot of horses coming from a lot of different spots here, and uh, a horse like the one Blue Pacific, only two lifetime starts, but was able to win that New Jersey Classic final on September the 8th. And another horse I thought was interesting is the four Comerica. And this is a Ron Burke type coming out of New York, has six, uh, has six different racetracks out of eight starts, never been out of the money. So, uh, and I do think the big track should suit that one. Never been out of the money. I'm told that's good. We'll yeah. move on to the biggest of the big ones later in the card. Race number 12. We've got the Harris Hoosier Park pacing derby. 175,000 in the pot. And once again, we've got 10 going postward in this spot. Generally speaking, how are you feeling about this race from a from a betting point of view with all these races on this card? Are you are you excited about this or is this one, you know, it's it's a big race and you're interested in checking it out, but don't necessarily have the strongest opinion? Well, last year in this race, we had Bulldog Hanover break the track record and a lot of, uh, you know, buzz was around and everybody followed Bulldog wherever he went last year. And that brought a lot of eyes. Well, this year you have Bob the Missile, who's one of the top pacers in the sport. He is in this race and he's seven for nine this year. He's probably the top uh, open pacer, I think, right now. So it makes the race a little bit difficult to bet, I think from a win standpoint, but I'm against the second choice, which will be Alleywag Hanover, another top name in the sport. But I, I just think his form's a little inflated this year. I think that there are better chances for underneath types for exotics, horses like Ponda Warrior, who won that Dan Patch here on August the 11th at, at 17 to one, a horse called Hello Blue, the five. That horse is 20 to one morning line. He's, uh, you know, he's danced some big dances. He won the Borgata this year at 50 to one. He's capable, I think, in big races. Uh, those two, I think, are very interesting. And another horse, the six, Little Rocket Man, likes this racetrack, has 13 wins this year, uh, is capable of stepping up, especially on, you know, against these horses. He's another one, eight to one morning line. Those are the horses I think can fill out some exotics. And, you know, just like in flat racing, you can have a play that's much more based on playing a, a second horse, a second favorite out and uh, getting still stuck into the favorite in the front. And just as you read through these stats and you hear about 13 starts on the year and seven of nine, I feel like as a thoroughbred fan, you should get the idea that one of the great things about this game is being able to watch the stars of the sport run so many more times than we're accustomed to on the flat side. Let's talk about the Caesars trotting classic race number 13, 210,000 in the pot. And unlike some of these races, this is another one where I feel like it's not exactly easy to know who's going to be the favorite. It seems like a, a favoritism could go any of a few ways. Are you looking at something lower in the market, or is this one where you might reach for a long shot? I do think it's academic. The seven will be the favorite here. This horse has had a fantastic season, uh, has made over 600,000, has seven wins, got stuck uh, in a tough spot in the international trot. Now, that's a million-dollar race at Yonkers that, that went on September the 9th, and a lot of horses from Europe came over in that race and, and basically dominated. Uh, this horse was betting that race. He was three to one versus those horses. 
and was stuck in a tough spot, made a huge move, uh, just was unable to sustain it. He will be the favorite here. And and some of the second and third choices, I think, have holes. Uh, Venerate's been chasing him all year. The last two starts, he ended up breaking on September the 2nd and that Maple Leaf trot. He was in the international trot also, really never got into the race. That horse will be bad. And then a horse named Pretender, the three, three to one morning line. But this horse hasn't been, had the same class, especially this year to, to face these types. So I think it's academic will be tough on the top end. But underneath, I think there's another chance for prices again. Pretender was the one I was thinking might vie for favoritism. But this is I'm showing my ignorance of the of the, the class levels in terms of uh, something at a price underneath to maybe come in and get a piece under its academic for you. What numbers were you looking at? Well, the eight rattle my cage, I think is, is probably a natural sort of exact partner here for its academic. Just you know, he's been in big races all year. This is out of the Ox Vonstead barn. He's basically the top barn in the trotting world. And uh, this horse ended up, he was 48 to one in that Maple Leafs trot on September 2nd. Well, Change his style. He typically likes to race up close to the pace, sat back, kicked 27 and one to be third at a big number. Uh, he fits versus these horses. And then the nine, uh, loved by the masses. Another one has some back class, has made almost 800,000, uh, did, uh, was off for, for quite a while with, uh, you know, uh, maybe some injury problems, but did come back and win on Hambo Day. He has some back class and, uh, I think shipping here shows a lot of confidence. Uh, he's 15 to one morning line. Would not surprise me to hit the ticket. One to get in there or work in there for sure. Before I let you go, let folks know where you can find more. Obviously through our In The Money Media YouTube channel, you can find that Harness Players pod with the deep dive on these races. But, you know, your work is fantastic. Where can folks see more of it? Yeah, so I, I have, uh, you know, some write-ups for these stakes races on NahuPicks.com that I'll post tomorrow morning. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of content there. Like I said, catch that Harness Players podcast. And I'll be uh, doing the uh, the Mohawk show tonight. Coming this weekend at Mohawk. Fantastic. Lots of great content coming up. If you want to get involved on the harness side of things, and there's a lot of reasons to, you're in great hands with, uh, with the team over there. Uh, between Mike and Ray and the great stuff, obviously, that Edison does. Check it out. Subscribe to uh, all the shows that they're doing. You can find it all on our uh, what we call the Black Feed for In the Money Media, or you can look individually and uh, and subscribe to those shows as well through the first over with Edison Hatterfeed. Mike, we'll be talking soon. Can't wait. Excellent. We thank Mike once again. We thank our uh, partners who we've been so glad to work with at uh, Harris Hoosier Park. And if you're watching on YouTube, uh, this will be it. And if you're listening, we'll be back right after this. Today's show brought to you by our friends at the KTDF. Purses in Kentucky are powered by the KTDF, Kentucky Thoroughbred Development Fund, and have led to an incredible enhancement to the Kentucky racing scene. KTDF dollars in purses are only for Kentucky bred horses. So breeding in Kentucky is the best way to maximize profits and return on racing and breeding investments. Because of the benefits from the KTDF, Churchill Downs Racing and the Kentucky circuit as a whole continue to be on an incredible upward trajectory. To check out more, go to inthemoneypodcast.com slash KTDF. Next up on the show, very happy to bring back a man who's been doing a lot of work for us anytime we're talking about Churchill Downs. We're so happy to be partnered with them. And of course, the KTDF, you hear me talk about on these airwaves. You see this man on the Churchill simulcast feed. He does a great job. Somebody I've had the pleasure of knowing for a long time from the 
press boxes out in uh, Southern California and his various online endeavors as well. Scott Shapiro, Chap of the Capper. What's going on, buddy? What's up, Pete? Good to be back with you. Uh, it's been a little bit since we had the summer with no Churchill racing. Hopefully you uh, were able to enjoy yourself as much as possible, and it's uh, good to reconvene. Definitely. This is a really cool meet uh, that I don't want people to uh, that I don't want people to to ignore because there's just a ton of really good racing. You know, things up very much on the up and up at Churchill. And another important thing I want to point out about this weekend, especially, is when the Northeast looks like it's going to get absolutely hammered with weather. The weather's actually really good in Louisville and in Toronto, which is where we'll head after this segment when we bring Drew Cotney in. But just you know, if, if you're somebody who's been thinking of giving Churchill Racing a more of a place of prominence in your handicapping when it isn't derby time, this might be a very good weekend to do that. How's the meet been going so far? It's been good. It's been really tough in terms of my selections. I've been pretty terrible, to be honest. It, a lot of favorites over the last couple of days and prior to that extremely challenging to start the week so hopefully we can pick things up this weekend uh, and uh, maybe get a little reward a little more creativity than we did on Wednesday when it was a chalk fest and Thursday which was pretty chalky as well yeah that that'll happen they used to call them uh, my, my great friend and mentor the racing writer William Murray used to call them the dummy gods days when it's just all <laughs> obvious favorites and there's not much you can do with it but I'll tell you what I hear. Ever the optimist that I am, Scott, I hear that you're due. So that makes me all the more excited to run. Sounds, sounds like uh, the, the words I want to hear, being due. Okay. I'd rather always be hot, but sometimes due is, will work. Yeah, we'll take it. You, you, take what, you take what they give. You take what the defense gives you. Let's start off looking at this late pick five, and we've got four of them as stakes races, starting with a race name I love, the Bourbon Trail. We've got the three-year-old Colts going the mile and three-sixteenth. Pennsylvania Derby, not the only three-year-old restricted route race on Saturday. This one, uh, 9.05 Eastern is the post for this one. So another cool thing about this is where you can sort of slot it in on your, on your racing calendar. We've got a field of seven going postward. Where does your eye go in here? Yeah, I don't see a lot of speed in this mile and three sixteenths event, a unique distance here. And uh, for that reason, I landed on a up and coming son of Oscar performance that I've been a fan of the last couple of races. And that's number five, Oscar Eclipse, who has to prove the mile and three sixteenths will be to his liking. But I trust Brian Lynch almost as much as any conditioner around these parts to know his horses and uh, very impressive effort stalking just off the pace on the stretch out to the one and a half turn one mile at Ellis Park in a first level allowance event last out. Obviously takes on tougher competition here, but not overly tough field. I think Christian Torres, who's been riding very well at Churchill and at Ellis prior to that, should have him uh, on the lead here and tough to catch late. Yeah, we see it exactly the same way. I've been so impressed with Oscar performance as a dual surface sire. At first, I was thinking he might be uh, turf only looking at his pedigree. Not the case. Plenty of uh, winners, plenty of stakes winners on dirt. And I think Oscar Eclipse could make it another one. Really, the pace advantage you mentioned and also the hands that he's in. Uh, Brian Lynch made me think very much the same way as you. Did you have any numbers you wanted to mention to come with, or is this uh, just going to be 
a simpler focus on Oscar clips for you? I'm going to focus on him. I think the Brad Cox runners to the inside are the other two uh, that make the most sense. Slip Mahoney, obviously very capable in here. Struggles to switch over to that correct lead in the lane, which is a little bit of a concern, but he's run fast enough races and lost a tough one to a stable made over the muddy going in the St. Louis Derby. And then Manciata Dioro is a little bit of a wild card, uh, has to get faster gets a class test here actually the last race was pretty fast but all of those are against lesser at horseshoe indianapolis as uh, brad brings him to kentucky for the first time let's pivot to race number eight three-year-olds once again in stakes action in the harrods creek we're going seven furlongs on the dirt this time field of seven with i think some cross entries is signed up i thought it was a little bit similar in terms of a race where i wasn't seeing a whole ton of pace i was going to ask you what you thought of Bouncer, the one I had at the top of my list after what I thought uh, looked like a, a, a pretty quick tempo and stayed on okay the last day at, at Colonial, um, maybe looking to uh, wash, rinse, and repeat that trip against this field. Do you give Bouncer much of a shot in here, and who do you like additionally? I agree in terms of the the pace of the race. It looks like Bouncer should control things here as he ships in from uh, Virginia after a wire-to-wire win where they ran one-two around the track, the two favorite T and Frosty departure at Colonial. He's got a shot. I give him a good look, but I do think number six, ever so mischievous, the two-to-one favorite, will be breathing down his neck throughout. I was kind of underwhelmed to say the least when this horse lost by a head to heartbreaker at one to two at Ellis. That was a one and a half turn one mile race. So cut back at Saratoga. But the key to me was the, the addition of blinkers for Brad Cox. Mm-hmm. It just appears that this horse was getting lost a little bit at times, particularly in that Ellis race and seemed to be more focused and ready to finish the deal. And I just think he's going to be sitting right off of bouncer and make life tough on him. But I could see the three, four, five or six, Loyal company, bouncer, mount up, or ever so mischievous, depending on what the, the way the race uh, plays out in terms of race shape. Oh, so really a spready one for you with preference for the six. Is that about the right way to describe it? I, yeah, I mean, I like the three loyal company quite a bit, but the lack of speed is a little concerned. So I would make the six, three and six my A's, and I would make your your uh, bouncer as well as mount up coming in from New York for Pletcher my B's. Love it. More stakes action in the hinge of this late pick five, the Seneca overnight stakes for the three-year-old Phillies going a mile on the 16th field of eight going posted word. Scott, we'll keep it with you. Uh, Seneca overnight, three-year-old Phillies. Uh, this is a, a, a pretty intriguing race. You've got tax, the five, the two morning line favorite who's coming out of the Alabama as well as the two horse Sabra tough tax races prior to the Alabama were really good, but uh the last race at the Alabama wasn't the strongest Alabama randomized school that field didn't come back quick. And I'm wondering if, you know, that was kind of the race that make would make sense that Randy Morris was pointing to. Maybe this is a little bit of an afterthought. She can win, but uh, I really like uh, Kijira in here, the seven horse for Phil Bauer. She's raced primarily on the turf. Only one start on the dirt in the career. It came as a two-year-old in the grade one Dar- Darley Alcibiades where she didn't disgrace herself in a 14-horse field losing to Wonder Wheel, Chop Chop, and Raging Sea who were all legitimate at the time. And I watched the uh, most recent work as part of the uh, KTDF uh, workouts, which, uh, you know, along with all the other great stuff going on, great uh, service that's been added up uh, on that website. Highly recommend it. And, and I was extremely impressed with the way she worked over the main track on Dece- September 10th. Bullet 47 and 2-4 furlongs, best of 74. I think she's going to sit a perfect stalking trip, and I think she still has plenty of upside. I just don't think she took to the turf course in the grade three Saratoga invitation on Saratoga. 
We're going to win and lose together on this Saturday night, oh. my friend. I'm right with you. <laughs> you know, I thought that effort was promising enough. I thought it just spoke volumes that she even turned up in that spot after the, the dominance she'd shown on turf. And I think this is an interesting opportunity. We were talking with, with uh, Jonathan on horse player happy hour yesterday about maybe being um, maybe being a little bit extra forgiving of, uh, of some of turf performances. Generally speaking, we, we were talking, uh, we were talking more about, uh, we were talking more about fr- from Saratoga, but I just think that the way this ho- this race could trip out too, I think Leperu is a great fit. I think this could be a really nice ta- stalk and pound spot for, for Zygira and, uh, and Phil Bauer. And, and Mr. Leperu, any to come with, or or once again, you're you're going to be pretty focused here. No, I like the four Poblano on the uh, on the class hike a little bit. I know she just beat a maiden special weight field at Ellis last time out in her three year old debut, and she did get loose on the lead and was never pressured. But man, she was really impressive that day, and I just think she's got plenty of upside here. And uh, Brendan Walsh, with just the one win, throwing her into the mix here in the Seneca isn't always the way Brendan handles uh, his runners. He's pretty patient before sending them into a state in stakes action. So I took that as a positive. So seven four for me with tax is kind of a backup i would only use tax though on tickets where i have a little bit of separation possibilities in other races that's a smart thing you bring up and i'm glad you did because so often we do talk about these things in terms of mains and backups but you know and and that is certainly a way to play it when the when it lays out correctly but there's other instances where you've got to really if you want to be competitive these days i think take it to the next level and really look specifically at the risk and reward on a ticket for ticket basis and you know not especially a favorite that you don't really you respect, but you don't love in a spot, not one that you need with a bunch of other favorites and, and other legs. Right. Take, yeah. Take that extra yeah. time and grind through the construction. Is that, is that how you do it? I mean, do you lay it out and then go back and, and look at each individual ticket? How do you, how do you make that happen? Yeah. I mean, that's the ideal way to do it. Right. You know, I mean, it depends on the sequence. You know, all sequences are different. There's some sequences, let's say it's a pick four and I'm against all four, you know, two favorites in each of the four races. I don't mind playing a caveman in that situation, but you know, if I am liking a lot of favorites, maybe I have, you know, some three to one, four to one second choice, third choice type keys. Well, those are the types of rate horses I might build tickets around. And then if I look, you know, like you said, if you if you did your math at the end of the year, you're going to miss out on some winners, you know, leaving yeah. horse favorites out in these spots. But I'll bet you if you're an everyday or every week horse player, you do the math at the end of the year and the money you save from leaving these horses out will end up trumping the money that you would have spent on them to get some hits to maybe help your mental state a little, but not helping your wallet overall. Right. And that and that also gets back to why you're doing it. And, you know, does does a small collect still you know, make you feel good or whatever. Like, I'm not going to judge if that's the case, but if you're talking about trying to make money, which many of us are, uh, it's, it's really something you got to consider. And you make another good point about, you know, sometimes I think we sound a little judgmental almost about the caveman ticket. Well, the original way I learned to do the ABC method, especially when you're dealing with, you know, more like pick fours or pick threes is to have one ticket that covers as a caveman, essentially at the minimum, that broad, blanket to throw over the right kind of sequence and then you go back and you use your a's and b's 
to have it more times and to press your strongest opinion. So there's no gotcha. in the right situation that that that, that can actually uh, be a good bet, I would think. So yeah, so. Pre- pressing is the one thing I didn't talk about there. But if you've got you know strong opinions, you know you want to play those A's and B's and C's if you want tickets, but. If all your A's come in, you want to have that more times than you have, you know, the, 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 the other the other combinations. Absolutely. Well, it's always good to do a little bit of a a little bit of a of a of a down the rabbit hole look at ticket construction. God knows we could do we could do, we could do more of it. We could do more. more. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Let's move. They're just scratching the surface, really. But we'll, we'll, we'll return to that as the meet uh, goes on here. Plenty more good weekends of Churchill racing to come before the year is said and done. Race number 10 is the grade three dogwood stakes for these three-year-old fillies. We're going seven furlongs and we've got a field of nine. I'm going to throw the ball right back in your court, my friend. Ah, real fair of you here. I mean, this is a tough race, this grade three dogwood, which didn't come up with any star power usually. Some years we see, you know, a returning horse or somebody uh, maybe setting that using this race as to propel them to a grade one moving down the road. Not really the case this year. I really struggled to come up with a confident opinion here. I ended up landing on number seven twice as sweet as my top selection because I think she's going to get the right trip, but I don't trust her at all. I could see using, you know, this is the race where I would say spreading is, is advantageous. You got the three to one morning line favorite yesterday shipping in from parks, cutting back for Lindsay Schultz and draw on the rail. That's no bargain. She's good enough to win with her best, but, and then you've got, uh, on the outside, Alexa Lou, four to one coming in, should get a good trip, but needs to, to pick it up a little bit. And uh, did get did get a high class who finished third in that last race at Ellis off the bench that she won. Did come back to win on last night's card, so maybe that is a positive. But uh, I didn't trust the favorites enough to not use some long shots in this spot as well. What would your full reckoning of the race be in terms of mains and backups? Um, I'm gonna use. I would use the uh, one. The uh, five, the six, the seven, and the nine, pretty much as the uses, I would leave the others out. Gotcha, gotcha. Survive in advance. Survive a leg. But I did, did, the first horse you talked about was the first one I was going to talk about, and that is number seven, twice as sweet. And it just came down to exactly what you said. I don't exactly trust, but I just think this thing could trip out incredibly well. For her, so the, 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 as I run the race in my head, I think she's going to get the most advantageous setup. I don't mind that the win two back was very near the front end in, a, in not that fast a pace because I just like the fact I like how she finished up. She, to me, she finished up in a way that suggests <laughs> that the seven furlongs is within her grasp, which you might not think looking at that you know earlier seven furlong race in the forward gal. But I think that was more of a too much too soon and, and just went too fast early. I think as she's matured, the seven furlongs are going to suit her very well. And yesternight, the other one I wanted to mention, our friends at uh, 10 Strike Racing, I feel like there is a scenario where she could shake loose and be very tough to tackle on the front end on this cutback. So seven and one for me in this spot. Scott looking to spread around one, five, six, seven, nine, which will bring us to our nightcap. We go out of stakes company. But, uh, hey, it's still a nice race, an allowance for these three-year-old Philly, three-and-up fillies and mares going a mile and a 16th on the dirt. Big full field of 12 when it comes to this late pick five on Saturday. How are we going to get paid, my friend? 
I'm going to go three deep in here. I do like, uh, I did go to number two call again uh, as my top selection. I thought the, uh, the effort at Ellis Park was encouraging, making uh, me believe there's still plenty of upside for this daughter of Arrogate who gets more ground. I think she'll get a favorable ground saving, you know, pocket type trip under James Graham. I'm also going to include number four, Bruno Namboyne, who will move back to the dirt for Brett Calhoun, who uh, didn't have a real strong summer after a big winter at New Orleans, but has been picking things up this September. Could get a good trip under Francisco Arietta. And then I'll use a price off the layoff in uh, Amber Cascade for uh, Cherie DeVoe, owned by Maggie Moss and David Gordo. I don't know if I've seen that one before, but uh, the combo. But uh, source that uh, was very impressive in breaking the maiden on New Year's Eve, raced once against stakes competition at Fair grounds was caught wide and now uh sheree uh, has given her some time and looks like uh, a steady series of drills leading up to the return born in really good form too coming off her first uh, grade one win last week in uh, up north of the border in canada so yeah i get i totally get all three that you mentioned and again the one that i wanted to talk about was among them and similar rationale for number four bruna boyne just another situation where this horse i think is going to get an absolutely perfect trip in behind the speed, I thought would be set for a peak effort in the third race off the layoff. I'm going to be nicking both of your other picks as uh, as backups at least, but hoping we can get a big run from the four here. Bruna Boyne to close things out at Churchill. Yeah, well, looking back at our numbers for the sequence, we definitely are going to win and lose together. So I am hoping that you are, in fact, due, my friend. Well, I am due. Whether it comes to fruition uh, on, on Saturday night is, is the question. Yeah, hopefully I'm not due after it for your sake. <laughs> I love it. Let's do it again very soon. Lots of good stuff coming up at this Churchill meet still, yeah? Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. We've got a fun, uh, fun five days to close things out. Of course, this card, the Downs After Dark card, the last one of the year. Then we'll go to Keeneland, and then uh, we'll be back at Churchill in November for uh, a plenty of racing and plenty of good racing with the two-year-olds taking the forefront for the most part. Yeah, that's going to be fun, and we'll be covering that with some Baby Talk episodes and uh, on the main show here as well. You mentioned that wonderful uh, KTDF video project. To tell, tell the listeners a little more about that, because it always is nice when you can actually get to see these videos as opposed to just you know reading about them in a clocker report. No doubt about it. Racing with Bruno and his team have teamed up with the KTDF to uh, publish, uh, you know, videos of the workouts. Uh, and uh, they're up on the KTDF site um, and you're able to access them for free owners, breeders, trainers, betters, most importantly, in terms of my life. But uh, just great, you know, to be able to, you know, learn a little more. I'm not an expert at all watching works, but this has allowed me to get better and better at it. And you kind of get the feel sometimes that you watch them and you're like, wow, I really, you know, maybe overrated a bullet drill back in the day and underrated, you know, horses that did it the right way, but, you know, didn't go super fast. And that's probably what the trainer wanted. So I think it's a really good learning tool and a total asset for horse players. Definitely. It's something you can learn to do, especially if you then look at that in conjunction with a workout report. You can sort of, you know, teach yourself like school, like what were they seeing? And then over time, you're going to develop your own things that you like to see. Um, and just, you know, so it, it, it just breathes life into the game in a, in a way that I that I really appreciate. So the terrific asset provided by the, the KTVF there. All right, Scott. We will let you get to your actual work as opposed to uh, the work you're doing for us. And <laughs> we will definitely, definitely be uh, in lockstep rooting for these horses on Saturday and, and hopefully uh, some celebratory texts throughout the night. 
Sounds great, Pete. I hope you have a uh, great weekend and uh, best of luck to you, my friend. Cheers. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at the Breeders' Cup. Breeders' Cup Challenge Series action is going to be coming fast and furious. A little bit of a pause this weekend and then things start to get real. Challenge Series races all over the globe coming up in the next few weeks as horses have their last preps for the Breeders' Cup. And we're going to have amazing Breeders' Cup coverage again. Lots of free stuff on the network and then our special plus package for those who want every last bit of info they can get. It's been a big hit the last several years. We'll be doing that again. Learn more about that at inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus and learn more about the Breeders' Cup over at breederscup.com. Next up on the show, we bring back the man from the south side of the east side of Saratoga. You heard him yesterday on Horse Player Happy Hour early in the week on our old school podcast. He's Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, JK? PTF. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a beautiful Friday here. I have no idea what day of the week it is since it took it me It is Friday. Time. That's correct. Yeah, I got it now. Um, getting ready. Got the, got the Fox show today, today, tomorrow, Sunday. And then, uh, yeah, we're, we're rolling. Elsewhere on the show, we've talked about places where weather's going to be nice, like uh, Churchill Downs and Woodbine. Unfortunately, that is not the case for the New York City area, really the, the eastern seaboard. I think hopefully we'll just get a little bit of rain out here in Saratoga. Hopefully it's not going to be a total uh, washout for the fun we're looking to have this weekend. But I would factor that into the handicapping. I, I handicap these races we're going to talk about with the assumption that they'd be taken off turf. Is that is that too cynical or is that how you approach it as well? Yeah, you know... I- I, I, I did not look at the forecast. It, it's supposed to rain when tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there is, there's, there's some pretty hefty MTOs entered. So, um, we'll see. I mean, you know, it, based on what happened this summer at Saratoga, I would imagine that they're going to probably err on the side of caution when it comes to, to, to turf courses with moisture in them. So you could probably count on that if there is some rain, uh, but I I do think that I've I've heard later even like later Saturday so probably Sunday would be off for sure. Gotcha. Well, we'll we'll talk about these races insofar as we you can talk about them from a, a turf and I can talk about them from a dirt or whatever. We'll give people all the info because just like handicappers, these forecasters sometimes they're just dead wrong. J.K. So maybe we'll be uh, we'll be looking at that too and and we'll actually be on the turf. So we'll see how it goes, but be prepared for that uh, potential if you're looking for definite good weather. Um, you know, look at some other tracks in addition to Naira. And I'd recommend the ones we cover here on the show. Lots of stakes, Churchill and uh, some decent stuff up north, hoping that uh, it's not too affected down there at parks. We'll see how that goes for those big ones. You look at those races at all. We could do two seconds on those. If you got a chance to, to look, I, you, I uh, hadn't looked yet, but I, if I'm not mistaken, I think we have, I think we're showing parks oh, tomorrow. Cool. I'm not hundred percent sure about that. Um, you know, I, I work the day of basically. So like, yeah, I, but I think I, man, I think, I think there's a possibility that we are. So tune into the Fox broadcast. JK will give you his thoughts on those races closer to the time on this show. We're going to talk about Belmont at the big a starting with race number five, where we've got two year old New York bred maiden claimers. I guess the first question I want to ask you in here, JK, you're leaning towards one of the ones that has a little bit of form or are you looking for a first time starter? Well, I, you know, I took a glance at the first time starters, but you know, uh, the four and the five retail man and, and Saba M those two trainers are just, they just don't have good numbers with first time starters in general, but also first time starters, uh, in maiden claiming races. Um, in the last five years, uh, the five, the trainer of the five Jimenez Oh, for seven first time starters, maiden claiming races and the four retail man, 
Jimmy Ryerson, 4% with first-time starters and maiden claiming races, 1 for 28. So, no, I'm not looking for first-time starters there. I'm going to use the 1, 6, and the 8 as A horses. The 6 has some experience, has run okay. Uh, one of those horses that you, you want to try to get cute and beat, but they often win these races. The 8, Mork, um, Chris Englehart's numbers uh, are, are a little bit better with first-time starters and maiden claiming races. And the 1, Blue, 85. I, I like to see just a tad bit more money taken maiden special weight or a tad bit more running done maiden special weight to kind of really latch on to a horse dropping into maiden claimers. But 11 to 1 at Saratoga for a horse that's run twice without much running, I would consider that kind of sneaky money. Yeah. Um, and the fact that Blue 85 took that money makes me think there might be a little bit of ability there or that Lee Einsiler made a large wager. But one of the two, I, I do think that you want to have Blue 85. I hear you. I, you know, I, I'm going to try to beat, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is the one who kicks sand in my face. It's the pace figures, really, that give me pause about Blue 85 and just if he's going to be a game enough individual to to run them all down, as I think he might have to. I really wanted to make a case for Saba M. I will leave on some tickets, just being by distorted humor, but there really wasn't a lot. Um, you know, those trainer numbers, not, not encouraging at all. Small enough sample. Maybe I'm thinking it's the kind of thing where the market um, all sees that and gets so negative that you actually end up getting a decent price. Just because for me, in, in principle – as slow as the first, as, as slow as the ones with known form have run, it does leave me wanting theoretically to to land on a firster. I'm going to go with a top pick that uh, t- did two things that you say you don't like. Um, ran in a maiden special weight, but didn't take any money and didn't do any running. Uh, but it is a great name. I don't see how it connects to the breeding, which really makes things a great name. But the, there's not too many horses I could tell you whose names are also a punchline and the joke to set up the name of the number seven. What did the Buddhist say to the hot dog vendor? Do you know this one? One with everything. Make me one with everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming that's what the name means. I'm assuming that's where it comes from. That's so but that's not my reason for liking it. Good numbers for, for McPeak in these categories. But the bigger thing was female side of the pedigree. There's plenty of precocity here. So I'm just going to treat this one almost like a first time starter and, uh, and, and say there's, there's enough hidden pedigree that I want to get the seven in the mix as well as the five. So if you're listening to us, you're basically spreading for your life. Cause you mentioned three and I mentioned two other runners. I can certainly see the case for the ones that you mentioned as well. The, uh, the, the six, um, all, you know, having that form in the book and having a, a decent figure the last time that, that would probably be the other one I would definitely want to have on tickets. I'll throw that one in on my A line as well. Anything else in race five or should we move it on along? Race six it is. Two-year-old Phillies, New York Preds, maiden claimers. We're going six furlongs on the dirt here. And this was another one where I wanted to lean towards a first-time starter. And the horse that I came up with was number seven, Sol Emperatrice. Uh, by practical joke, above average numbers with firsters out of a dam called Enophile by pulpit. It was, you know, a whiff of precocity in the female family here. And just another one where I didn't really trust a lot of the form that was on offer. I'm certainly up to open to including more, but I was going to uh, take a long look at the seven soul and trees. What did you think? Uh, this is a spread race for me. I mean, they all feel very similar. I'm going to use the two perfectly uh, imperfect who, uh, you know, I, I'd say for Jack Sisterson, 
um, who is, I think is a phenomenal trainer, had him on JK plus one recently as well, yep. but you know, it's Saratoga. He's just not going to take a lot of money. This horse took a, just a, there's a sprinkle of money now dropping into maiden claiming. I'm going to use the four alley song. First time, Brad Cox, first timer with Manny Franco. Sometimes his horses, even if they're running for 30, they're just better because his horses are better. His owners have better horses. So what's worth 30 to him and to them is completely different to other people. Uh, and, and I, so I think you got to keep an eye on that. You know, look, I, I, I wasn't as immersed in the game as I am now when Rick Dutrow was, you know, kind of running things, but I've always heard from respected horsemen that he was just a monster at Aqueduct. He, he, he really liked the surface, understood the racing, the configuration. So I, when I see him with a horse entered here, I'm always going to give a little bit of extra love there. The seven, you get Flavian Pratt on a maiden claiming Philly. And then the 10, Linda Rice, I, I'm spreading like crazy in here. This race forced me to get skinny a little bit later. Two, four, six, seven, and 10 for JK in race number six. I'm going to take another look at this one. I'll definitely have plenty of sevens on the ticket. Glad that one was part of your spread. All right, this one's complicated because we've got this grade three noble damsel scheduled for the turf, one mile. It won't cut up too badly, I don't think, because we have so many MTOs. Um, We'll talk about it first because you said you did this race for turf. Where, Where did you end up on turf in the noble damsel? Well, you know, I, I felt like you needed to use probably both uh, of the Chads, the five fluffy socks and the six Gino Romantica. Um, I will say this. If it comes up where the surface, you know, they, they run on the grass and it's not, um, obviously and there's been rain, it won't be listed as firm. Fluffy socks doesn't have a great win record on the not firm, but she's run okay on not firm. She's won once. And she's been second five times. And for a horse who I think is probably a cut below in terms of like, you know, a grade two, grade one type, she ends up in a lot of those spots. So I think the seconds that she's earned in those spots on not firm turf are actually pretty good. So fluffy socks would kind of be my lean. Gina Romantica hasn't run on a, a turf course list that is not firm in the U.S. So there's no way to really know. Um, the other thing I would say is that, you know, gerrymanders a little bit interesting. Um, in, in terms of like, are they here for MTO, but Hey, let's give a try on the turf. If it stays on, um, off the turf, obviously you're going to run either one. way. I think, I yeah, think, I think interesting, was- interesting either way, but I, I don't necessarily need, if it's just on the turf, I just think deserves at least a name check. And then Malavath, yeah. I'll use as a B horse. Malavath was, is was a three point something million dollar purchase, uh, from yeah. overseas. And she just has not picked up her feet here for Christophe Clement. He's too good of a trainer for that to be a consistent thing. I, I feel like she's shown talent and maybe they'll figure her out at some point. And if she's going to be eight to one, maybe this is the time to, to get on board. I'm against gerrymander here, no matter where we end up. This is just one of those where I've had, you know, no finish kind of notes with what, what I thought were terrific setups the last two days. Did you see some hidden excuses for her? Or are you just a more forgiving type than me these days? Uh, yeah, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I get her and search results mixed up, but I not, not because they're close in talent, but, but just because I, I feel like search results has, has been unlucky. Gerrymander, if was supposed to be on the front end in that race, she had a, she had a pace edge and I just, I, I just think she needs to be ridden aggressively and hopefully mm-hmm. the switch to Jose Ortiz is saying, Hey, 
I need her to be ridden aggressively. And in an off-the-turf race, I think she could be dangerous for sure. Very interesting. Okay. I'm going to stay with my first thought, best thought of of being against, but I, li- I like that concept. I guess I'm a bit boring here because I'm going to go with one who uh, is probably going to be among the favorites if we're, if we're taking off. I thought Movie Moxie just looks to have improved. I thought that last race in beating gerrymander from what I thought was not the easiest position there, um, just to me, looked like a very likely one to, to hold her form for uh, for Linda Rice and, and, and be very, very dangerous in an off-turf situation. I know you didn't originally look at this race specifically thinking off-turf, but did you have a quick off-turf thought, just taking a quick glance through these MTOs or any you had big notes on? Yeah, I mean, gerrymander. I mean, if Movie Moxie makes it in from the far outside, obviously has some okay numbers. But no, I mean, I, I, I have no problem with gerrymander if they end up staying in here. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, this horse has fast numbers, just not always getting the best trips. Okay, so we'll see what happens there, which surface we end up on. We do have another turf race to talk about in race number eight. Uh, once again, we've got three MTOs. I, I felt or felt like to me you might be able to go for the, the outsider of them, 10 Cent Town. I thought you could make a, a very, very good case for in this race as one who seems to have gotten pretty good coming out of that uh, claiming race, but we're not exactly, especially after this race gets cut up and put onto the dirt. I do not think we're going to be necessarily looking at, uh, at a wildly higher, uh, at a wildly higher level for one who, who might just be the form horse and have a chance to get it done at a decent price for the new operation. 10 cent town was one I was looking at if we do come on to the dirt, but what about the turf JK? What did you like in those circumstances? Yeah, look, I think those three MTOs are hard to separate. I, I need two A-horses, the five War Smoke, who has some back numbers, ran well on the dirt, got a slow figure that day, but I don't think this is a dirt horse. I think this is a horse yep. that just won on the dirt on Finger Lakes. But if you look back at uh, some of the figures from 2021 on the turf, if they can kind of find that form, which seems to be in form winning races, I think War Smoke, interesting. Um, and then Ortis or Ortus um, looks, looks tough just from a number standpoint. Um, and, and has run okay. Got a second on, on turf course list that is not firm. And then if it's, if it, if it stays on the turf, and if you can afford any of these horses as B horses, the four, six, nine, 10 and 12, I think all you can make a case for them using underneath. I won't use any of them on top, but I could use them as B horses. Okay. Interesting. And, and so potential for your verticals, but also ones on certain tickets where you can afford to get very spready ones you would have potentially in your horizontals. Yep. Is that about right? What yeah, about, yeah. You, you mentioned MTO is tricky to, to separate. I, I tend to agree. I think that's probably why I went with the outsider of the three, at least on morning line uh, purposes. Anything in here that leaps out to you if they uh, do get washed off? Uh, you know, I think the, the 15 Newport and, Bridge is interesting um, in a situation where where Linda was being very aggressive at the end of the meet uh, with entering horses and dropping horses. She she never dangled this one for attack, and I think that's interesting. I think that that's one has very, some talent. I like that point. That's some good some good subtle stuff. And another one I might try to work in there on the on the B line off of that uh, off of that say so. Let's move this along to race number nine where we have a dirt race carded, which will make our lives a little bit easier. We're going a mile for these allowance types, and we've got a field of eight going postward. 
this one felt like one I could tell you a lot of stories about, uh, but I'm going to throw it to you. We'll keep it with you, JK, to get your thoughts first. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get kind of creative here and I'm going to try to single the one Sunday with Sandy um, for a couple of reasons. If you look at the race two and three back fast numbers, fast races ran extremely well. And you look at the last race at Saratoga, the pace was slow and the figure dipped down pretty significantly. The horse didn't run particularly well on the Wilton course. So for me, and was kind of wide all the way around there. Didn't get a great trip. So for me, it's like the, the, the final figure can only be so fast because the pace was slow. I also think that it's probably still tough from time to time to make figures on that course. Cause it's not used that much. There's not a whole lot of historical data with it either. You only have two, two years of data with that, that, that configuration. I think it sometimes can be a little tricky. So if a figure makes that kind of, curious drop to a low number compared to what the horse normally runs and it's a slow paced race i can forgive it pretty easily i'm looking for this horse to run back to those numbers uh from from early july and mid june i think that's a compelling case for one that i wasn't exactly sure i had left in the mix but wasn't sure what to what to make any others you'd want to mention for backups or or verticals are you really just looking to stand alone there yeah, I can see the seven, the eight is B's uh, in this situation, but based on some of the spreads I have earlier, I think those the, those B's are going to be pretty expensive in this yep. leg, and, and I think that the the sequence for me is going to be about Sunday with Sandy running well. I was with you on with the, one of the backups you mentioned, Certified Lover Boy, was in my mix. I also wanted to talk about Abedin, who I thought might have a pace advantage looking at time form, and then I felt like Looney Sima, the two runner. Um, was a little bit interesting. I thought this horse, you can find numbers um, in the PPs that fit with these and looks to be headed back in the direction based on that. Uh, wasn't ex- doesn't really count as a bullet work because he's only five furlong worker that day, but it was a good time the other day here. So I was going to sort of mix and match those numbers. We'll call it a four, two and seven for me um, in this spot, but I am going to probably end up working in your one runner as a backup. Cause I do like that case that you made there. We move on to race number 10 and this is our nightcap. We've got two year old maiden New York bred Phillies going six and a half and we got a field of 11. Um, I keep coming back to number 11 and Fuega in this spot, JK flame away. Um, not off to the like most rocketing start ever with first-time starters, but Jeremiah Engelhart certainly can win with these types. It's a precocious pedigree on the damn side. Flame Away himself did win first time out. I think those numbers might be picking up, and this just uh, looks like one who's very well spotted to me. I definitely want some number 11 on my tickets. What do you want? Yeah, I mean, I, look, there's a, there's a workout report that will come out uh, a little bit closer. You can check on horses like that. I wanted to make sure, so I would, you know, hopefully get some some kind of a clue there. I do want the three, Grandadilla, um, look, Rick Dutrow, 20% throughout his career with first-time starters. He knows how to get one ready. Uh, and, and look, when you're, when you're trying to kind of build your barn back up, you know, winning the Whitney uh, obviously helps. But also, you know, not sending short horses over there. You know, and, and keeping your owners happy and interested. And, and, and I don't, you know, so I, I'm going to always kind of be looking for Dutro to, to, to be putting his big, his first foot, his best foot forward, excuse me. And then the nine landed uh, for Wesley Ward. Look, it's Wesley. This horse is, is, a, is a half to Vinti Valentine. We've seen what some of these Omaha beaches can do. I'd imagine this horse is live in here. And then the 10 Book of Wisdom, who does have uh, ha- has some runs. 
did run well, got nice figures, took money both times, drawn well towards the outside, a bunch of horses that haven't started. So uh, those are the ones that I need for sure, uh, the three, nine, and the 10. And I could be easily convinced to use uh, the, the, uh, the 11 if the workout report suggests. I also did want to mention the nine and would have come back to uh, landed had you not mentioned this is one with some precocity in the pedigree. I love I love how many winning siblings there have been. There have been there have been a bunch of uh, a bunch of winning siblings for this one. I think four of them uh, won at two, which is cool. Only one of the five won first time out, but another hit the board. And I feel like with Omaha Beach in the mix here and Wesley Ward in the mix, you just got to figure that precocity is going to be the thing. Eleven and nine for me. J.K. mostly three, nine, and ten, with maybe a little bit the eleven if backed up by that workout report. I think well, we've done what we can on this uh, pick six at Aqueduct on Saturday, JK. We're ready to send you off to work unless you have uh, any closing thoughts on this segment. No, I'll see you guys next week. It's been fun to be back. Absolutely. We'll catch up with you early in the week. We have that great question we didn't quite get to about quickeners versus gallopers uh, from the from Triple H the other day. We want to dive deeper into that topic. That'll be one of the many things we do, as well as recapping the grade one action for parks and uh, great stakes uh, from Churchill and lots of other cool stuff happening all around the racing world. JK, we'll talk soon. All right. See you guys. We close the show with a familiar voice who's going to be doing double duty. First, as usual, we're going to be looking north of the border to racing at Woodbine. That was a blast getting to uh, be up there for the Woodbine Mile and those other uh, grade one races last weekend. Then we're going to do a new special segment. So stick around for that. After the last break, uh, making a little foray in the direction of sports betting for, with our friends at Cut. That's going to be fun. But uh, first and foremost, let's introduce him. He is your reigning Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge champion. He's Drew Coatney. Drew, what's up? Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, early Friday morning. Uh, no complaints on my side. Uh, made a tagine last night. Do you know what tagine is? Oh, I love, not only do I love tagines, I actually have a, uh, it's actually French made. But the, the actual uh, physical tagine, which is like the vessel that you cook this wonderful yes. uh, stew in. What did you do? You know, Moroccan. It's traditionally a Moroccan associated. And I just love it. Uh, the spice mix, Razal Hanout. And, and you put in things like uh, like uh, preserved lemon, which this is, you know, I'm fasting right now. So at the risk of making myself very hungry, what did you uh, what did you put in there? Did you go the lamb route? No, I, Milk Street. This is not a paid ad. Milk Street uh, got a magazine from them, and they had a good recipe. Actually burnt the first batch. Um, went went back for the second. Hey, if you're not screwing up, you're not learning. Um, and braised short rib. Nice. Uh, sous vide. I ended up creating my own recipe at this point. Yep. Sous vide butternut squash. Ooh. All, all the spices and some beef broth hang out with the braised short rib all day. And then take the stock out, reduce it down and thicken it up. Some spices, some lemon zest, put it all together, let it meld in for a little bit and top with some mint and some pistachios. Nice. I think you can go any direction with that recipe. But yeah, it was uh, lovely. And then tonight, some uh, beef bulgogi with uh, bulgogi with um, some pear marinating so blend up some pear and ginger and garlic and throw it in the bag with thinly sliced steak the night before picture uh, it didn't happen i want to see some pictures of these dishes man it sounds delicious yeah i didn't uh, take any pictures yes i, I will do tonight <laughs> 
Yeah, we're up in Saratoga, so there will be some good cooking. I cannot wait to go to this harvest farmer's market on Saturday and see what they have. Family comes up tonight. I've been solo, so it's just been eating leftovers and and uh, going to Hamilton Ghost. But we'll we'll get uh, we'll get back into cooking mode. Uh, this was a little departure for our regularly scheduled programming, and as long as we're departing, let's look back before we look forward. Your thoughts on the big grade ones from Woodbine last weekend? Yeah. I- I mean, it was it was awesome to see Masters of the Sea. I think that was the obvious uh, winner on the day. And holy smokes, did that horse produce. And I even texted you afterwards. That action down the lane, talk about hitting another gear. You could physically see that action compared to others that we've watched hundreds of races down the lane at, over the Woodbine turf. And the Masters of the Sea really, really stood above the rest. So I think it's going to be fun to see at Santa Anita. I'm already hearing the scuttlebutt of, well, Santa Anita doesn't really play well to that type. But it, it's still interesting. Um, you know, can. She- I mean, it's, it's all about what kind of trip you're going to get. I mean, it's he they I mean, th- there's two ways of looking at it, you know, and you see this with a lot of Galileos and, and Dubawis. We got a great question about galloping versus quickening that we're going to dive deep into on Monday's show. But I mean, the, the, it sometimes it's they do take a little bit longer to get going, and then you see when they reach top speed that action that you're describing. But other times they can kind of do a little bit of both, you know, like a horse like Modern Games showed. So I, yeah. I, when I say he might not be as suited to Santa Anita, I think that's more of a measure of how suited he was by Woodbine. I'm just I'm just not going to say race is over with him, depending on who else uh, turns up. But it it yeah. was an awesome performance, and it's not like I talk you off your enthusiasm but I, I would say come on let's wait and like see some more info and then the two-year-old racing was terrific as well that yeah. was uh, that that was great how did you end up how did you make end up making out in those yeah i didn't have she feels pretty great for sherry devoe to get another grade one that was a really uh interesting race i'm gonna have to go back and look the grade three with the old boy who is yes. already becoming an old boy notice i said that yet this horse is only three years old but it's becoming my favorite quickly patches of Hulahan, turning them all back, going to the lead. So that was great to see. And then um, Carson's run didn't have that horse. I know you all uh, were talking about liked um, I, another interesting race. I was on go for gusto underneath. Um, yeah, so that, that horse ran, ran and did what, what we needed to do. So. Yeah, it was it was a good day of two year old racing. I think it reminds everyone, especially as we walk into Breeders' Cup Friday, two year old racing is volatile. It's not like we're dealing with flight lines who have established form lines. So be open to new and creative ideas. Uh, it's changed the so much, you know. I mean, they, you, there's form in the book, but it's just it's it is more changeable because we're dealing with. You know, like high school athletes who <laughs> growth spurts and things that can really change and just figuring things out mentally. I mean, think about yourself as a as a teenager trying to compete at the top levels. It's it's, it's a little easier to keep your act together and to continue to learn and, and progress in a fluid way as you get older. More unpredictability for sure. But we've got loads of time to talk about that right now. I want to look at these four races that close out the card at Woodbine on Saturday, like I said, in the Churchill segment especially with the parks, unfortunately, looking like there's going to be some very bad weather. I'll still be participating. Don't get me wrong, but it might be nice to have some other options as well. Weather looks great in Louisville and it looks great in Toronto 
And so going to have an opportunity here to uh, see some sunshine, hopefully north of the border, starting with race seven, maiden special weights going a mile and a 16th on the synthetic and a field of eight. Who did you like? Yeah, I like the number four, Calusa Dani at eight to one. I think this race is really hard to trust anyone and wanted to find a price and has run two competitive numbers over the surface and distance. And I think today gets a little bit of an upgrade with Emma Jane and can stay on late. And I think the outside speed, uh, those, those runners are going to have to establish position early and go. So that could set up very nicely for this number four, Calusa Dani. And then I'm also going to look at the number seven, the Thunderer, which is a fun name in and of itself. Five to two, Josie Carroll, Savachi, second off, the second start in the lower rungs. I don't love how the trip projects. Having to stalk wide might might just be good enough to get the job done here. But I'm I'm really fading uh, into I'm into mischief. I think is the horse's name, or is is that the um, no, Guard of Honor, excuse me. That's the next race. Guard of Honor, two to one. Hasn't really run anything that's a standout. And I'm not really keen on taking favoritism on a, a non-winner who's tried 14 times in the last six. It's been five to one or less. So those two, and I'm dropping the number eight Guard of Honor. Yeah, we're very, very similar here. I wanted to put Thunderer on top. I, I think the trip will work out okay, being able to either sit in the pocket or a couple wide, and I'm hoping – on this day, the Thunderer might be able to uh, to finish up a little bit better, to finish up like in those races two and three back and not like last time when I felt like he was inefficient in the middle part of the race. But as a result, you know, the 0 for 11, we're still getting into career maiden territory. I wanted to go for one at a little bit more of a price. And I think you're right. Kalusadani looks like the right one. Back facing uh, weaker maiden company than some of the better races he's been in of late and and the last time at this level just missing by three quarters um eight to one would be a terrific price on that one but i yeah i'm going to use some sevens but mostly four is it just those two numbers for you or or anything else just those two all right we're, we're in lockstep to start this pick four off as we'll go to the allowance ranks we've got this optional claimer going six furlongs phillies and mares three and up 111,000 in the pot and six go postward. You've already tipped your hand and I want to hear your case about this because I felt like I'm into mischief was going to get an absolutely beautiful trip on the front end. And I wanted to side with her. What's your case against? Yeah. I, I just think the short comeback and going the full six furlongs, not really sure if this one wants to do it. You know, it's going to be a question of tactic tactics at the end of the day, two back went to the lead and then last out took back, which there was some speed in that race, but uh, couldn't get the job done with uh, Jill and the Ama Beast being the, all three of those were favored around the two to one mark. So I, it's just the short comeback on that one. And this horse has tried 12 times, only one once. So taking favoritism there. Yeah. The recency bias, but again, it, it's a quick comeback. And then cardio princess. Um, I, I, Nothing just jumps off the page to me. So why take some favoritism? It was a little bit wide in that last race. Uh, maybe it was the good ground that caused the the lack of win. And today we'll, we'll show two colors getting over the firm. But um, at two to one, again, this, this is going to take probably half of the pool's money on these two runners. And if I have cases against, that's a way to unlock some value. Where did you land? So I landed on the number six. Uh, hot cargo six to one last out was a bit perplexing where Contreras took back with his horse to make one run at it. 
um, and did well enough down the lane. But I really hope this runner gets back to the the trip two back. We're just kind of dead sends, catches them on their heels and runs them all down the lane um, on the lead. So the number six hot cargo is a little interesting to me. And then also I'll be using number four personal pursuit. I think Cassie runner getting the second start of the one by course should suit a lot better. The overall figures fit and by uh, uh, the outer fitting the running style better being more of a, a grinder style stocking pace and making one run at it opposed to those tight turns. And I think the number four personal pursuit, I prefer that trip so much more than um, I'm into mischief, which is a hilarious name. Matt Miller and I were talking about this for one by mile week weekend because this is where this horse ran last. Uh, wouldn't that be funny if someone started naming every horse? I'm blank. I'm flight line um, into mischief. I, I think it would be a little. Uh, there might be some lawyers who have something to say about that with the uh, with the breeding, but uh, yeah, two horses for me in this in this race, and I'm fading two of the heavy favorites. Six and four for Drew in the eighth. We go on to the ninth where we've got $25,000 claimer going a mile and a 16th on the synth. Drew, we'll keep it with you. Real quick, race eight, where are you going? Are you are you all I'm into yeah, mischief? I was, going, I was just going to play the two and, and think that I'm into mischief. Could get loose in this spot. I, I had it very... Mm-hmm. I had it very straightforward. I mean, just a pace play I was thinking would be sharp after the seven days. And I just don't like that, especially at five when they grab like that early. I, yeah. I think it was tactically. I mean, look, like you said, there was pace in the race. I mean, I get it. Like it's split second decisions a lot of time, but I think if they just go, things could go very, very well. If they grab yeah. out of the gate, I'm going to be, I'm going to be shaking my head, but I, I thought I had <laughs> every chance to get loose and uh, get the job done. So with yeah, that, yeah. we pivot to race number nine, where I would love your thought on this uh, $25,000 claimer. What do you like? Yeah, number three, Sir Sahib to the hoop. They're off the marathon prep trail. They they tried last time out um, going, going the full distance. Um, should be able to stock. Uh, I think we'll be close-ish, and this horse really runs some nice eight-and-a-half furlong races. So Sir Sahib, nothing too interesting. Six to five, I bet we'll see one to two on the day. Yeah, it's tough. I I wanted to make a case against just looking at you know the time form us pace projector and how far back sir sahib projects to be on that but i think this is probably a case where Contreras can kind of put him uh not exactly where he wants i don't think he'll be in the lead or anything but at least you know right. mid pack and probably being able to to get the job done i didn't see a whole lot of point to being creative there myself any backups for you or or is, is that a one way traffic it's one-way traffic. They're dropping in class. I think they're trying to collect a check. They don't. I don't think these connections want to just sell this horse for the the heck of it when they they claimed back in September so of last year or October of last year. So I think they're trying to get their their money's worth, get the purse money, get the claim off, um, and have a five-figure check. So I think this is strategic. I think this horse has all the chance in the world to win today. Yeah, eight-year-old at the end of the year. I- think will probably get taken right but it's uh maybe they just figure maybe they just figure if this is where the horse belongs at this point in the career we'll see how that plays out i do have to take at least one shot uh for a pace play and maybe stolen money is the is the one for that attempting to steal things on the front end Uh, just looking at a pace map it's not impossible 
and uh, I, I do want to have at least one other thing going other than the favorite in here. And, and maybe if you're right at the one to two, maybe I'll even put stolen money uh, on top. But I do think Sirsahib, clearly the one to beat. And in any longer exotics, I would be uh, I would be keeping on side as we move through that ninth. And on to the 10th, where we've got a starter allowance for Phillies and Mares going seven furlongs on the turf and a big full field of 11 signed on. How about here? Are, are we? Uh, what are we thinking about the, the the favorites in this spot? Is that the end of the odd spectrum we want to go towards, or can we do something a little bit more creative? I think I'm creative in this one. The number nine friends for life at ten to one last out. Oaks setting the hot pace uh, to completely collapse, going the full nine furlongs. Um, I think that was a, an improved effort overall, even though it was a bit rank and keen uh, throughout. But with a bit freshening today and a cutback. I don't think there's anything crazy that this horse could build off of that performance two back in a group that looks to be a little bit open. So 10 to one feels like the right price in here. And then also the number eight Foxy Diva, if things do fall apart, I think this race sets up perfectly for Foxy Diva three black, three back close into those neutral fractions going wide. And I think if it can work out a trip, it's not crazy to see this one, get the job done. The other considerations I don't love, um, the number 11 Royal Blush, three to one, drawn outside and will have to go wide. Um, don't really love that. And I think it's going to be in the no man's land of the pace here because I, I think it's either going to be favoring the speed um, and a horse like the number f- uh, nine Friends for Life can get the job done or it's going to come from way off of it. So the number 11 Royal Blush, I think it's going to be in that kind of two back and just not have anything left down the lane. And then the number seven, Bakia at seven to two. Cuts back in distance, which is a big question mark, has one run wellish over the turf, but I think this one will be stuck in that no man's land again at the pace. So I'm really looking to point my money towards who's going to be on the lead or who's coming from off of it and is a good closer. Interesting. I see it similarly, but I came up in terms of pace. I'm going one speed, one closer, but I'm using different horses in here. And Bakia mm-hmm. was the one I wanted as, as the speed. I was just thinking there was a chance – even on the cutback, looking at pace figures, that they might be able to get aggressive with Bakia and the Contreras could maybe send and and maybe get away from Friends for Life and Flowers and Berries and some of the others who have the fastest pace figures in here. So I definitely wanted wanted her on side. I mean, I get what you're saying. You're thinking maybe on the cutback, not going to be fast enough to make the top, but I wouldn't be too sure she can't make it or at least, you know, sit first over off whoever does end up uh, end up making the lead and then the closer i thought was the most interesting was bedazzle me dropping out of that uh, stakes race where i thought the move was too early i really like the seven for a long cutback i like the saving of the ground i think there's a good chance especially with the difference in post i mean i respect your foxy diva idea and foxy diva is going to be five times the price so i'm not talking you off and i i may well throw in on a deeper backup line but I was thinking Bedazzle me was going to get the trip you were describing for Foxy Diva with the added benefit of saving ground. So we're pretty much in lockstep throughout the sequence. We'll, we'll part ways a little bit in this nightcap where I've got it seven and two. Any further thoughts on this one? No, I think just the number two Bedazzle me, you're, you're, you're going to have to take a nine to two, maybe five to one, depending on where the odds end up on a trainer who's been fairly ice cold, only winning two out of 33 starters. So that doesn't get me super excited. Whereas, you know, Foxy Diva is run by Steve Attard firing 11% with five winners out of 45, which isn't a huge step up, but I'm getting the price that, that, that warrants that trainer stat. 
in general. So sometimes it's just good to look at how the barn is running and kind of put put some of the figures aside. I I, I think your horse has all the chance in the world to get it. So I'm excited. It's a pretty fun sequence. I think uh, I, I would be curious if Hammer is playing this one, Tommy Hammer, because it does have set up for some nice pounds with some long prices and some favorites I don't think you can trust. A former uh, Breeders' Cup betting challenge champion himself, Tommy Mathis, getting a call on the Players Podcast Airwaves. Need to check back in with him. I haven't seen him since uh, the plate day. We had a, a nice little drink up there on the third floor bar, which, of course, he managed to get for free because he's Tommy. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Yeah, he, he had a funny story. I think he. I think when I told him I bet all of my money in the grade one gamble, he uh, called me uh, a choice word. I won't say on these airwaves, but called me weak um, for betting all of my money, uh, not on just one horse. Um, <laughs> so, so the hammer coming through in true fashion is if That's it's not crazy, crazy enough. All in, all all in isn't enough to get the respect. It's got to be all in on one horse. I I mean, hey, you've done that before, too. All right, we're going to send this to a break, and then you are going to come right back with me after it, uh, after these words. Let's do it. We have a new sponsor here at In The Money Media. Wanted to tell you about It's Cut, K-U-T-T. This is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's legal in 37 states plus D.C., where you can bet on sports, politics, and pop culture, Cut handles the payment side of things, so you never have to chase anyone down for money. Tons of social features, group chats, betting leaderboards, much, much more. Cut, the social betting platform that lets you put your money where your mouth is. Check it out, KUTT.com. And right now we've got a special offer for In The Money Media listeners, a 10% deposit bonus up to 100 in credits when you use our promo code INTHEMONEY. Check it out now, cut.com, In The Money. We have a new sponsor here at In The Money Media. Wanted to tell you about It's Cut, K-U-T-T. This is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's legal in 37 states plus D.C. where you can bet on sports, politics, and pop culture. Cut handles the payment side of things, so you never have to chase anyone down for money. Tons of social features, group chats, betting leaderboards, much, much more. Cut the social betting platform that lets you put your money where your mouth is. Check it out, KUTT.com. And right now we've got a special offer for In The Money Media listeners, a 10% deposit bonus up to 100 in credits when you use our promo code INTHEMONEY. Check it out now, cut.com, INTHEMONEY. That's going to do it for today's edition of the show. I want to thank all of today's guests and our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing. Always love to root for the purple and black up here. Got a wind picture or two on the halls here of the little house on the east side. And a couple more we need to get framed. Been associated with them right from the beginning and uh, love it. Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Now we've got to talk about the TRF at a greater length at some point because I did have the amazing opportunity just this week to go to the Wallkill Correctional Facility and visit my second Second Chances program. And it was a blow away experience. Really amazing to see these horses and these men interact and the differences they make in each other's lives. It was truly awesome. If you want to give to the TRF, you can do so. trfinc.org slash players. 
One of the things I did up here in Saratoga this week was clean out the garage, and I do in fact have now, in very organized fashion, a few more bottles of our In The Money whiskey. If you give the TRF a $200 donation, we will send you a bottle of that whiskey. Also wanted folks in Lexington to know that there is a cool TRF Second Chances luncheon coming up at Spy Coast farm this is a chance not to see the program itself but to learn all about it believe it or not no cost required you get a free lunch and you get uh, a, a bit of the experience i was able to have the other day this is part of the cheers to 40 years thoroughbred retirement foundation um celebration september 28th 11 30 to 1 30 spy coast farm in lexington i know we have a lot of kentucky area people if you're interested reach out to our pal the first lady of the in the money podcast kim weir she will get you uh, all sorted out as far as that goes the best way to reach her is simply kim at trfinc.org what else well the most important thanks of all that is to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do, for supporting us by leaving great reviews, by using word of mouth to tell your other racing friends about it, subscribing where you get your podcast, checking out our YouTube channel, signing up for our free newsletter, inthemoneypodcast.com slash email. Each one of these things really, really helps us out, as does, of course, subscribing to our In The Money Plus service, which we use to pay a lot of our contributors around here, inthemoneypodcast.com slash Plus, this show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your photos.